Morning all. Morning. Yeah, slightly delayed second half of our talk on more. As I promised, today we're going to be asking for more, like Oliver did. <laughs> but first I just want to remind you what we did three weeks ago. We were looking in the book of Romans and we were reading how much more we already have if we're in Christ. So we have much more in Christ in the sense that, you know, if you need a fresh start and forgiveness, much more of that is available in Christ. If you want freedom from the fear of death, how much more have we got that when we're in Christ? If we want freedom from what we were hearing about this morning, from being bound up in addiction, from being bound up in the sort of bad habits, bad character things that we hate about ourselves, much more are we set free from that in Christ as well. Much more have we got the ability in Christ to overcome our circumstances, you know, to go above the circumstances and be and feel what God wants us to be and feel, not, in a sense, be pushed down by the practical reality of our life at times. And perhaps most relevant to today, we have the ability in Christ, much more ability in Christ, to make a real difference to the lives of those people around us when we pray for stuff, which we're going to be doing later. So, what we're doing today? Today, I'm going to look in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, if anyone's got Bibles on various devices. And I'm just going to read bits out. And in this section of the Bible, Jesus has been teaching about prayer. And he's uh, given the famous, what we now call the Lord's Prayer. But then he goes on to talk a bit more about what prayer is about. So I'm just going to read a few verses. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because the friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I've got nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked and my kids are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Jesus said, though he won't get up and give him the bread because he's his friend, yet because of the man's shameless audacity as in this version, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. I was laughing with Bill before about the translation of that word. It's possibly best translated cheek, actually. Or in older versions, it's sort of boldness or perseverance. It's got all those sort of connotations in the original language. And I think we have to understand the background to this a little bit. Jesus is, is being deliberately humorous when he tells this story. And we have to understand the culture of hospitality at that time. In those days, you know, in Judah, if, if somebody turned up at your door, even at midnight, even unexpectedly, unannounced, hospitality demanded that you give them some food and you give them a bed for the night. It was just what you had to do, you know, it was the culture. So the scenario here is that this guy, guy's friend has turned up at midnight <laughs> and they've nothing in the pantry. And in those days, I don't think they had 24-hour supermarkets. 
even the Romans hadn't got a 24-hour Tesconium or whatever it was. So the crisis, right, is that we've got no food in. <laughs> so this guy runs to his friend's house and starts bashing on the door, even though it's, you know, way late at night. <clears throat> and you can just imagine the friend's reaction. <clears throat> oh, no. I'm in my PJs. The cat's out. The alarm's on. <laughs> I can't get out of bed. Can't it wait till the morning? <laughs> and the reality is, of course, the guy keeps on banging on the door and shouting, and eventually his friend comes down and gives him some food so that he can feed his visitor. And Jesus actually tells this story again, or makes the same point later uh, on in Luke 18. We can jump to that passage. But now he's kind of up the ante even further. And he tells the same sort of story in a different way. And he says there was this widow, don't, don't bother about the detail, who you know, probably has been oppressed by some evil dude. And she needs the local judge to rule in her favour and sort of give her back her, her own possessions, her inheritance in that sense. But this local judge, unfortunately, is on the take. You know, he, he won't make the right decision for you unless you slip him a bung of some sort. And of course, this poor widow can't afford to bribe the judge. So this is a corrupt judge. And in the story, this sort of judge is almost a sort of cartoon baddie. He says, actually says, you know, in the story, I don't fear men. In other words, I don't do the right thing just because men think I should do the right thing. I don't even fear God. But in the end, he says, I'm going to give this woman what's right, what she deserves, what she's asking for, just because otherwise she's coming every day and she's going to wear me out with her asking. So in the end, I'm going to give her justice, even though she can't bribe me, because she's wearing me down by keep asking. So what point's Jesus making here? Is Jesus trying to say that God is like a rather selfish friend who doesn't really want to get up and help you? Or is he saying that God's like a corrupt judge? who won't do the right thing. Seems a strange thing for Jesus to say, doesn't it? No, the point he's making is that even imperfect friends, even downright evil men, actually will respond to persistent asking. So, in other words, even a slightly lazy friend, even a downright corrupt judge, will actually give you what you want if you keep on asking them. And the point Jesus is making is, how much more then will your loving Father who wants to give you stuff respond? So he's, he's, making a, he's making a contrast here, isn't he? He's saying, well, even a bad person, even a lazy person, even a corrupt judge will actually give you stuff just because you keep persisting in asking. So how much more point is the persisting in acting, asking a loving Father? million more times likely, isn't he? to give you what you want. And God doesn't need to sleep either, so you don't have to worry about waking him up. <laughs> so that's the first point that Jesus makes. So he goes on to say, so I say to you, so in other words, therefore, says Jesus, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And these are very thin pages. 
and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Interesting. We heard last time, and we know, that Jesus is Lord. And that isn't just, you know, an honorary title. It means he really does have the authority to do stuff on earth. It means he's really the boss. And we know that he's reigning with all authority. But nothing good seems to happen automatically because of that. You know, you might think, well, God favours us, God cares for us, God wants to restore the world. You might remember last time we talked about when you become a Christian, you, be, you join the restoration team. We become part of the team, God's team, who are trying to put the world back to rights. Yeah? So God wants to put the world back to rights. God loves us, God cares for us, God favours us, but he still wants us to ask for stuff. It's not going to happen automatically. Even Jesus, the eternal Son of God, had to ask. In fact, he said he prayed constantly. He spent hours and hours praying. So it's not just because, you know, we're some sort of inferior beings or something that we have to ask. It's actually God's will that his very children ask him for stuff. And I've always had a bit of a problem with this. Maybe I'm a bit lazy when it comes to prayer, actually. That's part of the problem. I, I sort of think sometimes, why doesn't God just get on with it? You know, <laughs> God has all this power. I know he wants to do good stuff on the planet. Why doesn't he just do it without waiting for me to ask him? Or without waiting for anyone to ask him? Well, I think there's a few reasons why. I think the first one is that God is fundamentally relational. In other words, what he's looking for all the time is relationship with us, with humanity. And the reality is that, you know, you, anyone who's got kids, you know how it is, that there's a sense in which we could just think of all the things that they might possibly want for Christmas or for birthday or need or anything. We could think, well, let me see, a five-year-old might want an iPad or something, so I'll just get them an iPad. And it just turns up. But actually, it does far more for your relationship with your child if the child says to you, Daddy, I want an iPad for Christmas, and then you are able to sort of give them an iPad. Do you know what I mean? They have asked you for something, and you have given, and that has brought you together, hasn't it? So that sort of disinterested, just providing stuff which you can predict that they need doesn't do anything for the relationship. And similarly, when we have to ask repeatedly, it also pushes us into believing the best of somebody. And that's what faith is about, actually. Faith might sound like a mystical thing, but it's actually really just believing that God loves you, that believing God's who he says he is, that believing God is good. It's actually believing in him as a person, faith. And if we just got everything instantly we asked, like putting money in a slot machine and the chocolate bar just pops out straight away, we wouldn't have to develop that real heart-searching belief as to whether we think God's good and whether God loves us or not. So it pushes us, doesn't it? It develops us in, in faith, in our relationship with God. But there's other reasons as well. I haven't got time to go into all of them. Sorry, this is why I don't have microphones. Seem to be having trouble with sticky pages this morning. Can we get your mic? 
<laughs> yes, that's the thought. <laughs> I haven't asked for it yet, though. <laughs> so wait, wait till I ask, and then you can give it to me. Yeah, that's why I haven't got it. Yes, good point. <laughs> that's exactly the point. Yes, I'm, I should have asked for an iPad for Christmas, shouldn't I? <laughs> I don't like Apple products, actually. I think they're... Ooh. Now, the other thing about, as, as Andy quite rightly says... We don't have because we don't ask. And prayer is dependence articulated. In other words, prayer is dependence put into words. Calm down, calm down. On the front row here. (laughs) So prayer is dependence put into words. So often we don't ask, we don't pray, because actually we're depending on ourselves. Because we're into independence, we're into fixing it, we're into sorting it for ourselves if we really understand that we are kind of depending on God as a father and provider, creator, then we will ask. And prayer in faith releases the power of heaven into earth. This is one of these sort of spiritual mysteries, isn't it? It's like the prayer of faith is like a lightning conductor <laughs> that lets the power come down. And that's, that's just one of those things that we, we understand from the relationship between the spiritual realm and the physical realm. And the other, another reason I think we need to ask is because of something we, we did talk about three weeks ago, which was that we, as humanity, were originally intended to rule on God's behalf on the earth. We were meant to bring God's order, harmony, justice, etc. onto the earth. We were meant to rule righteously for him, in a sense. And actually, part of God's restoration is to put that back again, is to take the rule away from the evil one, who's got hold of it at the moment, and put it back in our hands, put it back in his children's hands. So actually, God doesn't want to go round us (laughs) by just doing stuff sovereignly without us asking. He actually wants to put it back to how it should have been, that things happen on earth at the request of mankind, at the request of his children. So actually... God, in a sense, is honouring the rule of humanity again by making us ask for stuff instead of just going over our heads and straight past us. So it's actually out of honour and respect for humanity, for restored humanity, that God makes us ask. Because then it becomes something that we are, in a sense, calling into being on the earth. So, as Andy said, we often we don't have because we don't ask. We don't have enough because we don't ask enough. (laughs) It doesn't say here, expect and it will be given to you. It doesn't say, hope for the best and you will find. It doesn't say, wait patiently and the door will open. The force of what Jesus is saying is, ask boldly, persistently, loudly. Pursue God for stuff. Hound him till he does it. Batter on the door. Right? He's not saying knock politely a few times and then go away if it doesn't answer immediately. It's a sense of batter on the door. Just keep bashing it until it opens. There's that real, this is the force of what he's saying here. This is why he's telling these stories. It's to say that we should shout. We should batter. We should pursue. Right? We shouldn't just hope for the best, vaguely because we believe in God that it'll just happen. That's not at all how it should be. 
So wh- why do I give up too easily? <laughs> you know, why do I tend not to persist in prayer? Why, why do all of us at times find ourselves giving up? Well, I think occasionally, certainly in my case, pride can be a bit of an issue. I'm not going to beg if God doesn't want to do it. When I've asked him a few times, I'm not going to keep on asking because there's a bit of pride, isn't there? We have to humble ourselves and be like a little child to go on asking. So that's that's the point, I think, isn't it? And then there's that sort of diffidence factor sometimes. I don't matter. I'm not important enough. You know, I've asked a few times, nothing's happened. Well, that must show that God doesn't really listen to me. God doesn't sort of think I'm important enough to answer that, my prayers. And that's a big issue for a lot of us, I think, sometimes, that we, we actually think we don't matter enough. Who am I to be bothering God? You know, it's wrong for me to be bashing on God's door because I'm just down here and God's up there and why why would God, that's just not right, you know, that I should be bothering God and pursuing him and hounding him and pestering him. You know, that's the sort of feeling that rises up in us sometimes. And then sometimes I think it's just straight lack of faith, isn't it? We, we kind of just don't think it'll work. <laughs> we maybe think God hasn't got the power to do it or the will to do it or the enemy's too strong and it just can't happen. So there's, there's different, I'm sure you can think of more reasons as well. There's all sorts of reasons sometimes why, why we give up and we don't keep on praying. So how do we get past that problem? How do we get past that problem? What, how do we get into the mindset where we do persist? Well, I think Jesus answers it in the last couple of verses. Uh, which of you fathers... So we're on to... Oh, Bill's so good, he's ahead of me again. He's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? <laughs> Again, Jesus is, be, is being funny here. You understand? Yeah. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Yeah! yeah. <laughs> if you then, though you are evil, <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, there's that how much more again, will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And might say, why is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit here? Well, the answer is that, actually, if God will give of of his very essence, of his very self to us, everything else is less than that. Anything physical, practical, material we might ask for is nothing compared to giving of himself. So Jesus is saying, you know, even up to giving of himself to us, how much more will the Father give stuff? That's why he puts that in, I think. So this is talking about the basis on which we come to God when we're asking for more. This is the basis that, in a few minutes, we're going to come and ask for. What's the basis? The basis on which we come, the foundation on which we come, is that we're not trying to twist the arm of a distant deity, but we're asking a loving Father for stuff who actually wants to give us good stuff. You know, we're not trying to persuade God to be favourable towards us, we're actually coming to a dad who just can't wait to give us good stuff. Yeah? That's the basis. So the basis is a father-child relationship. We're coming to somebody who loves us. We're coming to somebody who actually wants to give us good stuff to start with. And that is, if you think about it, gets rid of all these issues of diffidence, lack of faith. It also gets rid of the pride one because that means also that we have to come as a child. And the child doesn't have pride, a very small child, they just go on pestering parents, don't they? They they don't have a pride issue with asking you 
for the parents for something, they'll just go on nagging till you give it them, which is exactly the point Jesus is making, actually. That if you, I hope none of the children, again, children listening to this, I don't want to say this, but actually, if you nag your parents enough, they will do it eventually, but you mustn't hear that. <laughs> it's not the right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, just just thinking about myself here. I mean, I'm I'm, I'll be honest, not not a very good father. I don't think, not not being great with my kids always. But but even I, actually, have to hold myself back sometimes from spoiling them. You know, my youngest daughter Rachel needed a new phone recently, and something in me just wanted to get the best phone for her. You know, the flagship model, which I did. I'm afraid. But and part of me thinks, oh, I shouldn't spoil her like that. An adequate phone would have been all right, you know, a mid-price one. But no, no, actually, something in me wanted to get her the flagship one, the most expensive phone, you know, that would be the best she could have. And, you know, and I'm, I'm not even a good father. And I wanted to spoil her like that. And that, Jesus is saying, is what our heavenly dad's like. You know, actually, he has to sit on his hands, I think, sometimes to avoid spoiling us. So that's, that's who we're coming to ask for more of this morning, isn't it? Somebody who actually, for our own sake, sometimes probably has to resist spoiling us. But note again, even in this last section, the son asks, doesn't he? You know, still, if your son asks for a fish, if your son asks for an egg, there's still the point that we're supposed to come and ask. And you know, if we really understand who God is and how he feels about us, we should be surprised when our prayers aren't answered. Too often, I think, actually, we're surprised when they are. But actually, if you, as a small child, in that sense, really understand you're coming to a dad who wants to give you stuff, and you ask and it doesn't happen first time, you think, well, he just didn't hear. Or maybe he's just not got around to it yet. But actually, I know he wants to give it me, so I'll just keep on asking until it happens. And that's exactly the attitude we should have. You know, well, it can't be that he doesn't want to give it me. It can't be that he doesn't want to bless me. Now, don't get me wrong here. I mean, it's possible, obviously, for us to ask God for the wrong thing at times. But if he doesn't give it us, it's actually not, if God doesn't give us something, it's not out of stinginess. It's not out of poverty that he doesn't have enough. It's always, occasionally, we might ask for something that's dangerous. You know, if we ask for a snake, will he give us a snake? Well, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> but he would, in fact, then say something back to us and say, well, actually, wouldn't you rather have an egg? <laughs> Do you see what I mean? So there's still that sense that God always wants to respond in blessing when we ask him for stuff, even though he might have to correct sometimes what we're actually asking for. But the heart is still there to bless us when we ask. Okay, so... We're going to get to the nitty-gritty now, <laughs> what the point of all this is. You know, we don't, we don't listen to sermons, we don't go through teaching in the Bible just so we know stuff up here, right? Jesus is telling us this stuff so that we'll actually do it, so that we will actually pray for more, so that we'll come with the right heart and the right attitudes and the right expectations and in faith. He's not expecting us to go away saying, that's interesting. <laughs> He's actually expecting us to think, ah, right, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to persist in prayer, I'm going to do some praying now. And that's what we are going to do. So you might remember, again, three weeks ago, again, that issue that one of the things that we have more, more of in Christ is that ability to reign in life. And that means that in Christ we have the authority to command things on earth to be as they are in heaven. 
we have that authority in Christ to actually ask for supernatural stuff to happen. Things that just shouldn't be able to happen. <laughs> you know, things that just couldn't happen. You know, I think we heard about that already today, haven't we? But also, there's a special power, and I haven't got time to go through the verses on this, but there's a special power released when we ask for something together rather than just when we ask for things individually. There's a special power when God's family come together and agree on asking for something. There's a special power when we come together in unity and harmony and ask God for stuff. And I think there's a special power sometimes when we ask for stuff out loud as well. Because the enemy actually can't read our thoughts and powers and authorities hear what we declare. So when we come and ask for stuff out loud together, there's a special power. So I'm not discouraging you from praying on your own, but we're going to do some praying together now. Okay? Now first, I want you to bear with me a little bit on the primary school teacher sort of side. So I'm going to read something out, and I just want you to repeat it half a line at a time. I I have a real problem with this sort of stuff, but I know you don't, actually, (laughs) because... (laughs) <laughs> it's me who actually who has the hang-ups about the primary school. <laughs> it's probably not, no one else probably has a, that problem at all. So this is a declaration that we're going to make that underpins what we're going to ask for in a moment. So repeat after me. <laughs> Lord, we believe that you are our Heavenly Father. Who loves to give us good things. And that all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus in whose name we now ask. I'm impressed. You remembered it all. <laughs> yeah. no, 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 I do, yeah. Right, seriously though, this is our declaration. Lord, hear us. This is our declaration. You are a good father. You Jesus have the authority and we are declaring this in your name and we're going to ask for more now in your name so first I'm just going to ask for a few things for our country for our nation Lord we ask for more light rather than darkness Lord we ask for more generosity rather than selfishness Lord we ask that people will be driven to look for what's real rather than just chase after material stuff that isn't (laughs) lord help us as a nation lord just just to turn our hearts to you away from evil but towards your ways lord and now i want us every time people come and ask for more i want us to sort of lift our voices together you say whatever form of words you like just something like yes lord we're asking this so say that yes lord This is what we want. We're asking this. Now I'm going to hand over to Andy quickly to pray for the city and for our church. Um, Jesus, we ask now in your name for this city, for those who are living in isolation and loneliness and ensnared and entrapped by depression and they think the only way out is suicide. We pray that you will break in And that your kingdom would break out in households, in hearts, right now, in Jesus' name. 
And we pray as a church that is rubbish for teenagers, that you would be, you would do something, you would bring people, release finance, release whatever needs to be released, so that not for our glory in any way, shape or form, but we can create a hub for teenagers to come and find life and meaning and purpose and that there'll be no more suicides in this city. Yeah, we pray against, uh, for buildings. Jesus, we know it's not about a building, but we ask for a place for the next two years which will, will meet all of the needs that you have for us. So whatever needs to be released, we pray this now in Jesus' name. We speak favor over McKnight. We thank you for them. And we speak blessing and favor, prosperity and double favor on them as a family business. We pray against disappointment, disillusionment, discouragement in this city. The spirit of, uh, spirit of um, the orphan spirit in this city. The spirit of isolation and anger. And we ask for your kingdom to come. And we pr- yeah, we ask it in your name, Jesus. Yeah, release of um, storehouses in this city as we uh, open up our hands, open up our hearts, that I declare over this church community that we'll never be lacking in finance as we meet the needs in this city, in Jesus' name. Yeah, that there will not be a week, a month, a day goes by without somebody finding life for the first time in Jesus. Yeah, we pray against fear in this city. Get out of here. Jesus, we love that you've declared over this city that this city is to be a righteous place, a good place, a city that fear not and where things are done your way. Be just and fear not, Carlisle. That is your, uh, that's your DNA. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, and God, we ask for worship, Father. We long for more of your freedom as we worship. That it wouldn't be about just religion, but God, that it would be a heart cry. God, we long for more authenticity as we worship. That it would be raw, that it would be real. We long for more revelation of your truth as we worship, that it would penetrate our hearts and transform our lives. We long for more um, intimacy with you as we worship, that we would encounter your presence, and that we would know you as our Father as we worship you, that we would know more of our relationship with you as we worship you. We long for more expectancy and breakthrough as we worship, that God, you are infinitely able and that you are for us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. And Heavenly Father, we um, ask for unity and community for our kids here in this church. We ask that they would um, grow in their dependency on you and in a depth of prayer, that they would ask and receive, God, that they would know that you are... Um, for them and with them, that we would see breakthrough in our city through our children, that they would simply know you and make you known where they go to school, in their, in their families, with their friends. God, that our Sunday mornings would be the best time in the week for our kids, 
that they would come here and encounter you and just grow in their knowledge of you. We're thankful for our kids. We're thankful for what they represent. And we're thankful that we see you through them. We ask this in your name, Jesus. ask Karen to uh, leap out for us. Karen. Uh, oh, there you are. Sorry. <laughs> Direction here. Karen's just going to ask for more for our midweek life. I just want to um, think about small groups for a minute. We believe at Vineyard that small groups are a vital part of our community. As the church grows, we get lost We can come on a Sunday, we can feel disconnected, we can feel that people don't understand us. Um, So my first more for small groups is that more of us will be in a small group. More of us will be in a place where we journey together, we laugh, we cry, we study, we share, we receive ministry. And we stand together. So our first more is that more of us are in small groups. Our second more is that so many people want to be in small groups that we don't have enough small groups. And at Vineyard, we really believe in growing and planting. And when a church gets to that point, and when a small group gets to the size that it's too big, then we'll plant out. And most of these people will go, and there might be two or four people left looking in the house on their own. But our second more is that we need to start more small groups. And, and the third more and the last more is that small groups are a safe place. It's a place we grow with each other. We grow in Christ. We learn the Bible. A place to be family. A place to be challenged. A place to be affirmed, enabled. A place to grow. So our, my third more is that our small groups are a place we grow in Jesus Our small groups are a place that we grow in relationship. Yes, Lord, we agree together. And we say, do it, Lord. Yes, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Mike, I'm going to pray for more healing. Yes, Lord, we just uh, want to see more, more miracles of healing. We just pray, Lord, that there would be greater expectation in our hearts and uh, to know and see. Faith. See much through us, Lord, bringing uh, healing, spiritual, emotional. In Jesus. Amen. We need more volume, I think. <laughs> we got more volume on this one? Yes, we have. <laughs> right, I just want us to do the declaration again. Lord, we believe that you are our Heavenly Father who loves to give us good things. And that all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus in whose name we now ask. 
Great. Right, we're just going to take five minutes to split into little groups, just three or fours or whatever you find amongst yourselves. If you're not used to sort of praying, don't feel any pressure to do this. You know, go and get yourself a coffee or something. But actually, I've got a better idea, which is actually to ask God for a miracle. So why, why sort of settle for a cup of coffee when you could get a miracle? Now, when I say a miracle, we're going to ask God now for things for ourselves, for our relatives, for our friends. So, you know, even if you don't need a miracle that will make a big change to your life, I bet you know somebody who needs a miracle. So we're just going to spend five minutes just getting into little, little circles and just crying out to God for those things that we need to see changed, to see shifted, to see released, to see more of in our lives. Okay, and I'll then finish us off in five minutes' time. <laughs> 